Life Audio. Well, hello, hello, my friends. This is Dana Shea. Thank you so much for listening to Real Relationship Talk. Y'all, today we have a very special Faith Friday. Usually our Faith Friday episodes are really, really short. They're these little micro episodes that you can listen to in about five or eight minutes tops. But today I am bringing you a really important conversation from an incredible woman, Meredith Miller, who has just written a book on how as parents we can help to inspire our kids to a vibrant faith. And the reason that I wanted to have Meredith on, we've done podcast episodes like this where we talk to other people about what does it mean to be a Christian parent? What does it really mean to actually teach our children about Jesus? But Meredith has a different take. She has a different perspective on on this whole conversation that I thought was just really important to highlight in the podcast. So let me tell you a little bit about Meredith, and then we're going to jump into our conversation. So Meredith and her husband actually co-pastor a church together out in beautiful Southern California. We were talking before we actually started interviewing that I and my me and my family and I actually just went out to Los Angeles uh, last summer and just we fell in love with with LA. I've always said that when our youngest son calling graduates from high school, Sean and I are moving out to LA and or at least California, somewhere in the Southern California area. So we'll see if that happens or not. But anyway, she and her husband co-pastor a church out there. She has also written the book Woven, Nurturing a Faith Your Child Doesn't Have to Heal From. How many of us want to nurture a faith our kid does not have to heal from? Because how many of us have had to heal in our own lives? How many of us have unfortunately been raised in churches or homes where we kind of have the Bible shoved down our throat, or maybe we were taught some things about God that are not true? And so this is really where our conversation focuses on today. Meredith also has a podcast of her own. It's called Ask Away Podcast for Kids. And on the podcast, she actually features her kids. She's like an eight-year-old and a 10-year-old. And uh, she features them and they talk about stories and questions a lot of times that kids are wondering. So if you are a podcast listener, which obviously you are, be sure to check out that podcast. And of course, we'll link to all of that in the show notes of the podcast. So stick around to the end. I'm asking Meredith her very best relationship tip, and you are going to want to hear her answer for that. So without any further ado, my friends, let's jump into this conversation with Meredith Miller. Hey, friends, how often do you speak life over yourself? Did you know that psychologists and theologians both support the power of affirmations? When I wake up every morning, I speak positive affirmations all from the Word of God. It's totally changed my life. Imagine starting each day with renewed confidence, hope, and peace. I want to invite you into this practice of speaking life. And to jumpstart your journey, I've created a soothing meditative audio just for my Faith Friday listeners. You can listen to this audio each and every day. It's yours for free at danashay.com forward slash speak life. It's time that you take captive every thought and make it obedient to the word of God. Download your free audio today at danashay.com forward slash speak life. Meredith, I'm so happy to have you on the show today. I am so looking forward to this conversation that we're going to have. Oh, thank you so much for the invitation. I'm excited too. 
Yeah, yeah. Before we started recording, we were actually supposed to, we were talking about how we were going to do this interview a few days ago, but then I had to go and uh, move my senior daughter in college. I had to go move her in. And so thanks for your patience. I'm, I'm really looking forward to what you're going to share today. Oh, thank you. And that's yeah. important stuff. That's That's the good stuff right there. It is. It's crazy how they grow up. And I feel so cliche. Everyone's like, they grow up so soon. And then you're like, no, literally. Like she was like in second grade yesterday and now she's about to graduate college. It's crazy. So I know you've got two boys. They're eight and 11. Yes. Eight and 10. Yeah. So heading into third grade and sixth grade in just about a week or so for us. Yeah. Oh, I love those little ages. You know, it's like they're still young enough. They still let you kiss them. Do they? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, we're we're very <laughs> snuggly. And I um will say that my sixth grader's gotten a little big for my lap, but he's still there. So I'm going to go with it and just kind of breathe while we're oh, doing that. <laughs> yes. I'm like, enjoy it. My younger boys, we still call them the little boys, even though they both tower over me. Um, But they'll always be the little boys. But they are 14 and 16. And the 14-year-old still lets me kiss him. The 16-year-old is like, absolutely no way, no how. So oh. I definitely miss those little years for yeah. sure. Yep. It's fun season. So tell us, Meredith. Okay, so we're going to obviously talk about your book. Your book is called Woven, Nurturing a Faith Your Kid Doesn't Have to Heal From. I love that title so much. Um, What made you, I know you're a pastor at your church and, you know, obviously a mom, but what made you kind of land on this particular topic that you wanted to help parents um, learn how to actually nurture this kind of faith in their kids? My background work-wise and ministry-wise has largely been in kids and family spaces. Um, So I've been doing kids ministry since I was 16 and um, spent about 15 years in various sizes of megachurch. I was a curriculum writer and um, did a five-year run at a large megachurch where we revamped all our curriculum for birth to age 12. Um, So that was a huge piece because it's not just the things I see in my own kids as a mom. It's the things I've had the privilege of seeing in lots of kids who come from lots of stories and lots of family cultures and contexts and being able to have time to watch how they all get to know God in their different ways has really been helpful in terms of the themes that I think can be shared for all of our many different families. Um, I also have part of my background is involved in like faith formation research. Mm. And so starting back when I was in seminary, I got connected with the Fuller Youth Institute who were doing projects on faith across the transition from high school to college. And that was massively formational for me because at the time I was still doing children's ministry. And there were these threads of connection between that research and what we were doing with our kids at the time that became hugely important for how my ministry vocation sort of shaped out from there. So those are kind of the other big pieces that help fit the puzzle together and give me a lot of passion for this topic. You know, your book is called Woven. And as you're talking, I'm just thinking about how amazing God has like woven in the story, even of your life, starting with curriculum writing and then being on that research team and then being able to observe from afar all of these different stories and how I'm sure you've probably seen families do it wrong. And then you probably saw families that were like, wow, like that's exactly how we should be teaching our kids. And, you know, one of the things before we started recording, you know, I was just thinking about I look at like my oldest son, he's 24. First of all, let me just tell you that all year last year, I thought that he was 22. And so I'm like posting on Instagram being like, my 22 year old son, my 22. And he literally texted me. He's like, mom, I'm 23. And I'm like, what? When did you turn 23? He's like, (laughs) on my birthday. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. So 
I have to always pause and be like, wait, how old is he? So mm-hmm. my 24 year old, I remember when we had him and, you know, we're he's our first child, the experimentation child. Absolutely. And we were believers. And I remember thinking there is this huge responsibility that we have to raise him in the faith, right? Mm -hmm. To raise him to know and love and serve the Lord and not wanting to get it wrong. And then realizing uh, you're going to get it wrong. You're going to make some mistakes. And at the end of the day, like your child has free will. And so even the most quote, perfect of parents can do it the perfect way, but that child still has to adopt their their relationship they have to develop their own relationship with the lord so can you meredith just maybe talk to parents for a second who are feeling that pressure or that weight or they're feeling like we've got to get it right so that our kids don't grow up and become heathens like what would you say to them <laughs> i would say that that concern is probably really well-meaning, right? It is your love for God that is motivating that. And be careful of your fear speaking to you in that. Mm, Because our trustworthy God loves your kid more than you can even get your head around and therefore is walking with your kid as they get to know God too. And some of, I think, what comes out of this idea of we've got to raise them up right We've put too much on ourselves. We've gone beyond taking responsibility and crept into control and we can't control our kids. Mm -hmm. What we can do is help them get to know God and discover God can be trusted and we can be part of helping them experience who God is through scripture and through our faith communities and through the practices we bring into our homes. But our role is not to ensure an outcome. Our role is to make a good introduction to this person of God whom we trust and have built our life around because then our kid gets to say, okay, yeah, I think, I think I can trust them too. Mm. Or perhaps our kids will say, I don't know if I can trust them and here's why. And when we've created that space, we get to help them and walk with them through that. But we want to know that we don't want them performing because it pleases us. And we don't realize that underneath, they're not sure. We want to bring bring forward a faith culture that says, because we're helping you get to know a God that that you don't yet know, but we do, we mm-hmm. want to be with you in that. I think sometimes that worry about the outcome, about the locked and loaded faith that's all there for them, we might accidentally jump over some really important parts of our kids' process that oh, we want man. to have the privilege to be in. Yes, that is that's speaking to me so much because I I'm guilty, you know, guilty as charged. Like I think as a pastor, I'm a fellow pastor as well, and I think every time that I get the opportunity to preach, I always tell myself it is not my job to transform the people. Like it's my job to plant the seed, to share the information. It's my job to inspire them, to want to know more about the Lord, to want to deepen their roots. But the outcome does not belong to me. But for some reason, I think with my kids, I have not always taken that same approach. It's like, no, I got to make sure my kids don't get somebody pregnant. (laughs) Honestly, like real talk, like I got to make sure these boys are not out here getting somebody pregnant. I got to make sure my daughter doesn't, you know, while out and turn into something like And So we always think about, I think, a lot of parents can really identify with like, we want to guarantee the outcome. Yeah. But like you said, it isn't about that. I love the way you worded that, that our job is to introduce them to the one. And as we introduce them to the one, I think by our own vibrant faith, that they become curious and that they become um, like we, we wet their appetite a little bit to want yeah. to know more. Okay. I'm going to hold you in suspense 
for the next part of this podcast because we have to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Before we break, I want to just encourage you, if you are enjoying this conversation, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. You can do that on whatever platform you're listening. You can even tell Alexa, hey, Alexa, subscribe to the Real Relationship Talk podcast. We will be right back in just a moment. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. So kind of along with that, Meredith, what are things that parents can do, like practically speaking, to introduce their children to to the Lord? There are really four kind of big buckets that help a family kind of build their faith culture. One of them is about like the rituals and traditions you bring in. So this is the stuff that's really every day. It often kind of almost goes with our family's schedule. If we send a kid off to school each day or bring them back home from school, dinner time and bedtime, we have these pockets that happen on the daily mm-hmm. that can be really small, but really powerful. There are ways you can bless your kid every time they're going to go away from you for a time or welcome them in. That's more than just, I'm happy to see you, but there's mm-hmm. something about the way you can mirror God's own love in small rituals and traditions, birthday celebrations, holidays fall into all of this, right? How do we have this stuff that helps nod to who we really believe God to be? Another big one is about the experiences our kids have over the long haul. So there might be not our daily stuff, but the experience of being part of a church community, the experience of getting to serve and try out ways that we can be helpful with our neighbors, the experience of um, reading things or listening to podcasts and talking about them with us and so on. You know, the the options are varied, but Mm -hmm. this idea that it's everyday life. And then the other two big ones that come out a lot in research on kids have to do with relationships that our young people need, not only us as parents, but a team of faith cheerleaders around them that are knowing our kids that care about them, not just care about their faith. They care Mm -hmm. about their whole person and are interested in them, are praying for them. And then the last would be the chance to explore scripture. And that one can look again, so many ways. It might be more of what has kind of been traditionally around children's Bible or family devotion kind of thing. But for some of our families, that doesn't work. My kids hate kids' Bibles. They just always have. (laughs) So I got to tell them all the stories because they want me to tell all the stories. And I love to do it. But I kind of sometimes was like, can't we get the cute picture Bible and you just read what you t-? No, they don't want to do that. But there is a bigger value than doing it in a certain form, which is simply we enter into scripture together in some mm-hmm. regular sort of way, especially the kind of scripture telling that lets you ask a lot of questions, that lets you notice what's new. Yeah. And so those are the four practical handles that 
a family looks at. Like, what are our rituals and traditions? What are our experiences? What are the relationships around my kid? When do we invite them to explore scripture? And as we fill those in, every family might look different. The way y'all do that and the way our family does it, they don't have to be one-to-one. It's that we each are bringing those to life for the kids we really have and the people we really are so that they can be getting to know God over time. Mm-hmm. I love how that it's like definitely more of like a holistic approach um, to building a life of faith and not just teaching Bible scriptures. And, you know, we all know this, that, you know, the statistics of children who leave the faith after high school, I mean, it like, you know, plummets. And I actually uh, just did a, another interview with someone recently, and we were talking about the whole idea of, you know, why do kids actually leave their faith? I know for me, I grew up in the church. I grew up in a very solid Bible teaching, Bible preaching, amazing church. I don't think I realized um, how blessed I was as a kid to grow up in that church. Um, and, and we had this very unique, it's a very unique situation. I realized a lot of kids did not grow up this way where our Bible teachers, like my Sunday school teachers, we loved them, but they weren't just people we saw on Sunday to your point, right? About those relationships. They came to our games. They were at our houses for cookouts and, yes. you know, some of them lived in our neighborhood. And so we did life with them. And so therefore, when they taught us on Sunday, it, we were, we bought in, or I can speak for myself, at least I bought in because I knew like they really loved me. They really cared about me. And so I wanted to hear from them. And I think that oftentimes as parents, you know, we, we can make the mistake of kind of compartmentalizing church, you know, church is like what we do on the Sunday. These are the leaders and people who are teaching you, or if you send your kids to Christian school, it's like, that's, you know, we're almost like farming them out to, yeah, to go learn. uh, A metaphor from one of my colleagues who says it's a bit like the dry cleaner that parents Um, drop their kid off and they'd like them back in an hour pressed and ready to go, just all ironed out. That's so true. But they, yeah, we see that at, yeah, I mean, we see that at church, you know, where it's like the drop off mentality. And, um, and I feel like, I feel like parents, like, cause I try not to like judge their intention. I don't think that they're doing that out of like, you know, malice or laziness. I really think that so many parents feel ill-equipped. Like they're like, I don't even know. Like I still have my own questions. I still have my own doubts. I don't even know if I'm going to like mess my kid up. So here you guys like fix them, you know, teach them, show them what they're supposed to know. So Meredith, I want to, cause I know that you addressed this in the book. You talk about parents who have their own doubts and parents who um, are questioning their faith. You know, what would you say to a parent who maybe they feel like their faith isn't that strong or they feel like they maybe they're in a situation where they're deciding, like, is this even true? Like, do I really believe in this? Well, how would you speak to them and how can that shape their own child's faith? I think the first would be that I have a lot of compassion and I think God does too for the times we have big, hard questions that don't have tidy answers Mm. and that receiving the grace of a God who wants you to know who God really is. And a lot of times the questions and the doubts are about God's character. Like, is God really like this? I've heard this and it's not sitting well, or I wonder this. And, And within a lot of our own personal questions and doubts and fears, we're also wondering, can God be trusted? And that is such a worthy question. And I think any God worth their salt is so with you in wanting you to work that through. And so the part of us that is afraid that God is like mad at us for those or disappointed in us, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's the piece that I would 
love to just wave a magic wand of grace over a parent and say, I just really think God's with you in this part that you're doing for your own self and that you can turn to the kids in your life and maybe start before you're ready. Because although you have perhaps not only questions, but maybe even some baggage from some real pain, Mm. your kid doesn't have it yet. That's good. And you don't have to give it to them because you don't need to have it all figured out to have some things you know are true about who our God is. And you can start there. Start with what you still know about who our God is. And you can go a long way in the life of the kid on a few solid, true things that our God will always be. I love that. Yeah. I think kids too are so in tune with the Lord. Like, I don't remember who said, I think it was, um, what's the pastor at Bethel? I always forget it. Benny, Benny. No, that was his wife's name. Oh my gosh. Oh, it's not going to come to me either. Anytime someone does this. Bill Johnson. I'm like, oh my gosh, I should know this guy's name. But he says, you know, if you want to get a prayer through, go walk down to the Sunday school, like go talk to the kids because kids have this, this very innocent way of seeing the Lord or thinking about God. And so I know for me, like when I've talked to my kids, I could be struggling with something in in my own faith. And when I talk to my kids, it's like God will often use them to like say something really profound to me. They're just like saying it's not profound to them, but I'm like, oh my gosh, you know? And so I think that sometimes as parents, again, we feel like we've got to have it all together or we can't just, you know, go to our kids and talk in our messy, uninformed ways because we're going to mess them up or we're going to say the wrong thing. But like trusting that God is working on your child with or without you. Yes. And that's the thing that's like, it's so encouraging because I have many friends who grew up in completely secular homes. Like their parents didn't take them to church. Their parents never talked about God. Somehow God found them. Yes. You know, somehow God found that child and they have a vibrant relationship with him today. So yeah, yeah, I just, I'm grateful that you mentioned that because I feel like we, we do as parents put so much pressure on ourselves and parenting out of fear. Like that's a whole thing. That is a whole thing. It's a whole thing. And there are like whole family devotionals that are written out of fear Mm. and are going to grow fear in your family's life about the idea that your kid won't hear from God unless you do it just right. Instead of if your child is an image bearing person, which they all are, right? there is, there's no, and again, this is not my quote and I'm not going to remember who said it either, but the children (laughs) do not have a junior Holy Spirit. That's right. And so you aren't the be all end all of this process. Yeah. One of the images I found really helpful and I did include it in the book is to think about it a bit like being a nature guide. Mm-hmm. You know, so I live in Southern California. We got all kinds of beautiful places to go and be. And if you ever decide to do like a trail hike with a guide, a good guide, despite all their expertise, they often wait to see what you notice and sort of follow your lead. They have little bits of information, but they don't dump everything they know about the mountains and all of its animals and plants on you in one big giant lecture. They're Mm. walking with you and they're going to trust that you will get bits and pieces that you need that are right for you along the way. They're not hijacking your hike with all their expertise. As a parent, you're a guide. You're Mm -hmm. not some guru that has to know everything about the Bible and everything about Christian faith beliefs. You are walking with your kids to be with them along the way for the things that they're noticing and to help them go through stuff. And even the stuff your kids wonder that you don't know, there's time to go look into that more. You don't need an answer in the moment. That's a great question, kiddo. I I actually don't know. Let me, let me think about that. We'll circle back and you circle back. And mm. to your point, I think that's the kind of stuff that really enriches our own self because we realize that was a good question. 
And yeah. I've been a little, I've been a little afraid to go seek out that answer, but there's good stuff out there. There's, and then you and your kid are enriched together, which is just, it can be, it can be fun. It doesn't yes. have to be fearful. It can be yes. fun to go into the spaces where you don't know yet and be like, yes. we're going to figure this out together. Yeah. I think one day, I don't remember which kid it was. I have four. So they all just kind of run together at this point. But we were sitting on the couch and it was one of my kids that were really little, like maybe four or five years old. And I was telling them, you know, the whole story of how Lucifer fell and how, you know, he used to be like this beautiful angel and, you know, in charge of the worship of heaven and all of this. And one day he just decides that he's going to rebel. He wanted to be God and he wanted to be in charge. And so he decided that he was going to be God. And God kicked him out of heaven along with a third of the angels. And I'm telling this whole story, right? And I'm all proud of myself because I'm telling this story. And then my child says, well, what happens if the angels decide that they're going to rebel against God again? I was like, um, hold up real quick. (laughs) I was like, um, I don't know. I've never thought about that again. Like, because the Bible doesn't say God. I mean, obviously they had free will, right? Like, how could they have disobeyed if they didn't have free will? So I'm like, wait a minute, because what I've been taught is that God created us so that we could have free will. The angels have to worship him, but we don't. We can choose to worship him. But wait a minute. Is that actually true? And so it really made me start to think about what is it that I really believe? What is it that the word teaches? And then what, what, like, what if somebody decides to, to, to revolt again? Is that even possible? And so, you know, it's, it's those little conversations that, that you have or that I've had, you know, with my kids that have, like you just said, like, have enriched my own faith and have made me go and excavate scripture a little bit more and dig a little bit more. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. There's a quote in your book that I, in, you know, in alignment with what you were just talking about. I love this so much. Um, you said adults want to tell kids exactly what fruit should look like instead of helping them to get to know the Holy Spirit who grows that fruit. Oh, my goodness. I circle that. And I love it because that's exactly what you're talking about as far as the, being the tour guide and saying, you know, I want you to get to know the Holy Spirit. It's yeah. he. It's him who is going to cultivate those fruits in you. It's not up for me to to try to force you to to exemplify all these fruits in your life. Yeah. And often what we've seen with young people is when we do that, when we try to tell them, here's the fruit, here's what it looks like and sounds like and how it's going to take shape in your life. What kids receive is something more like a to-do list. Mm-hmm. Okay, I got to go. I got to be kind. I got to make sure I always tell the truth. I got to, you know, and they've got their stuff. And even if those things are good things and and right things, yeah. when they receive it as a to-do list, and usually it comes along with a companion don't list, mm-hmm. right? And again, those are probably the right kind of don'ts. Please don't get somebody pregnant. Right. And please don't go taking <laughs> on a bunch of risk behaviors. And like, yeah. they're, it's not about what's on them. It's about the, when a kid receives it as a list, mm. but we've called it fruit. Then they think the substance of my faith is list management. That's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm making sure I'm, I do my to-dos and I don't do my don'ts. And instead of having a spirit growing fruit within them, they become mm. worried about what happens if they can't manage those lists just right. Mm. There's not enough grace if they fail to keep those do and don't lists up because they haven't gotten to know a gracious God. Yeah. They're, so what if I, what if I absolutely blow it? Then what? Mm-hmm. And so much of the research is young people saying that they think if they mess up the lists, God really does like them less. There really isn't grace enough for that. Mm-hmm. 
And it's not even about whether anything on the list were the right or wrong things to highlight as good things. It was that because they didn't have a process of knowing the Holy Spirit's own voice and they didn't get to see parents practicing it, sometimes imperfectly, expressing their own shortcomings and saying, but it's going to be okay because there's grace right. enough for that, you right, know, right. then they they don't have a cultivating fruit kind of thing they're operating out of. It's a list management system and it's exhausting and it's discouraging and they don't know what to make of God anymore if that's yeah. how they receive it. And then we introduce shame early on because none of us can, none of us can match the list perfectly or, you know, check off all the boxes on the to-do list. And so to your point, you know, when we fail adults and kids alike, I think there's a lot of adults to this day who are walking around in shame, who you talk about like fruit is easy to fake, you know, and we see that right all the time in church. Like people have got the bless the Lord. God Mm -hmm. is good. You know, and they like, we know how to talk to Christianese. We know how to do the thing. Yeah. But inside, there are so many of us who are, or and I say us, you know, Christians who are walking around with shame, um, who feel like we don't measure up, who feel like, you know, we have to put on this front, even to God, even in our yeah. prayers, yes. even in how we worship, like we've got to be able to do it this way, say it this way, act this way, be this way. And then we wonder like why our kids are not interested. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. That. That piece where we don't always talk about when we say young people are leaving the church and what are some of the reasons, we do not always talk about the reasons are we represented a version of faith that is just really unappealing Mm. and true or not becomes irrelevant because Mm -hmm. I don't want my life to feel like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think our kids, when that is the reason they say, no, thank you, I got to give them credit for recognizing that is not God asking that, that if that is the version they're told to sign on from God's not the one saying fake, fake those prayers, Mm -hmm. sing no matter what you feel, do the stuff, whether you're dying inside or not. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there is a piece of the leaving church data that is kids discerning rightly that that is not what it means to follow Jesus into this world with the Holy Spirit inside of you to live out a life in the kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. How then, how, how then do, I'm trying to think, how do we walk this? It's almost like this like tightrope of, we want our children to obey the authority and the voice of God. You know, I recently just preached this whole sermon on idols and, you know, how we have these idols in our lives, right? So like, we got to get rid of the idols and we have to like acknowledge God for who he is. What is the balance of acknowledging him for who he is and respecting him, you know, like the fear of God, right? Mm. What is the balance of teaching children that versus teaching them the list and the rules and the do's and don'ts? Yeah. Yeah. So what I advocate for is this idea of a trust-based paradigm as opposed to an obedience training one. And the idea being, if I'm going to be with my kid as they get to know God and discover God can be trusted, then trust will be what comes first. And obedience is a secondary response to that trust. Mm -hmm. So it has a home. It matters. But for any of us, if we are honest, we change our behavior at someone else's request because we trust the person requesting it of us. We believe their good intention for us, or we recognize their expertise that we do not share. There's some degree of trust we have whenever we decide to adjust our behavior because someone else has told us to. 
And for kids, that's what we're doing is putting things in their right home. We're going to help them grow trust first, even as we practice about wise choices and even as we teach about our character. And what's going to ultimately come together is an understanding that that is a response to. When mm. I trust God and not idols, my life looks mm. a certain sort of way. When I have built Good. my life around those idols, my life will look a certain sort of way, right? Isn't that the whole story of scripture running its course? Right. <laughs> and so it's being mindful as the parents that we keep things in their proper order mm -hmm. and that trust is going to lead the way. But that doesn't mean we're going soft on the idea that we live our life in response to God. It's that we're letting our kids have the time to build what will support any of those behavior changes, that they really do know mm -hmm. that this God can be trusted in what they think is wise and best or what they want for you. If, if you don't think God actually wants the best for you, you, you're going back to faking it. And probably that's because that's you're true. afraid. That's and so true. It's, it's the tension we hold by, we resolve by being mindful of what comes first and then what is secondary, not in importance, but in process, in, in the mm -hmm. flow. The, the source of the stream is always trust. And then down that stream will come obedience and other sorts of responses and letting our life be shaped in alignment with the character of God. So then other than parents, like talking about God or Jesus in like a theological way, how can parents actually teach their children how to trust God? Some of it's about taking a sec to say, hey, is our family looking like we live in a way that trust God? When we have our choices about our time, our resources, what are the ways that we're doing this ourselves? And church attendance is often the one we all default to. Are we attending church or not? But I'm talking about when it is time to celebrate the uh, tax refund and a little bit extra has come <laughs> our way. Is that a chance to say yeah. to your kids, one of the fun things we get to do with this is give some of it. That's going to be fun. What should we do? We could decide as a family, where should we give some of this extra that has come our way? Because we are so grateful that God takes care of us. Um, so there's very practical ways right, that we're looking at mm -hmm. like our life following God. And um, I think being mindful that we're teaching kids in the way that we live, how it looks to be a regular person following Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes we do worry. It's got to be a lot of theology, a lot of Bible talk, but a lot more of it is I'm a regular person who's loving and following Jesus. And right. kiddo, I hope you see me being a regular person, loving and following Jesus. Our apologies as a family is a great example. Sometimes it's me. And the way my voice came out on my kid is the thing yep. that was all wrong. Mm -hmm. And like our family has kind of an apology template at this point, you know, that we share that is just as much practiced by me towards my kids as it might be for them back to me. But part of our template even is when we know we've gotten it wrong, we apologize and we mend because our God isn't always forgiver. And so we know mm -hmm. we can say sorry and forgive and move forward. We're going to be imperfectly for each other what God is always for us. So I'm really sorry that I, I spoke in that voice and that was not a kind voice. I bet I hurt your feelings and I hope mm -hmm. you'll forgive me. But our apology template isn't just about the relational mending. It has just that nod to, this is all rooted in reflecting our God's character um, as ones who want to practice forgiveness. And so there's so many of those places where it's our regular life as a family. Yeah. And we make yeah. choices about how our family feels because it aligns with who God is. Yes, 
I think about the when we first when we bought our house that we currently live in, um, it was such a God story. It was it was I mean, I don't even have time to go into the whole story, but it was we knew that it was nothing but the hand of God that allowed us to buy this house. And our kids, the little boys were really little. Like my my sons were the little ones were like two and four. And so, you know, they didn't understand a whole whole lot. They were just like, oh, we got a big old room, you know what I mean? Um, but the my, we have two older kids, the 24 year old and the 22, 21, see, year old um, <laughs> now. And so they were old enough to kind of know about the story. And we we've always been really transparent with our kids. And so, you know, we kind of told them the story. And and I remember driving into our neighborhood. I always wanted a neighborhood with like a dramatic entrance that has like flowers and beautiful trees. And I'd like I've always seen that. And so there was one day I was driving into my neighborhood and I got so emotional, like, because I'm literally like, God, this is, this is, this is the promise. Like, this is, you blessed us with this. And right then I looked over at my older kids and I said, because they were like looking at me, like, what's wrong with her? You know, why, why is she crying? And I was like, you guys, you have no idea how blessed we are. And I went into the whole story about how years ago, you know, I prayed for this house. I didn't see this house. I didn't know that this house existed, but I had this house in my mind and I wanted this dramatic entrance. And when we pray to the Lord and it seems like God isn't answering our prayers and it seems like it's not going to happen. But then one day you realize like you're right where you wanted to be, like God gets you there. And, and so they even still sometimes would be like, you know what? They they rehearsed the stories of how we got yeah. this house years later. And that's yes. not, I didn't quote a scripture. You know, I didn't uh, have a theology lesson. It was just a testimony. It was just a yes. story. And I think yes. that sometimes as parents, like we, we need to share our stories more, our struggle stories. Our kids yes. know, like my husband and I, our marriage like has not always been great. And they know that. And they've heard the stories of God's redemption. Like our, our stories matter. And I think think our stories really help to shape our kids, maybe more so than what we think, maybe even more so than theology will shape them at this age. Yes, because they're making the connections between God and this actual life they live in and yeah. the stories of the places where we help them see how that happens. We have very similar. I love Southern California. I love Los Angeles. It is, I just love it. And for I about five years, we needed to go <laughs> live in Chicago for a job. Mm. Oh and my. yeah. And so we did that what for five winters. Uh -huh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. And a three-year kind of open-handed prayer process got us back home. And so, and this is going to seem almost silly. Like I feel almost a little embarrassed, but like I grew up near Disneyland and we didn't go a ton, but it was like part of our family's rhythm to do this. And we came home for a visit while we were trying to figure this stuff out and took my older son to Disneyland and I was outside the gates. And I swear that was the moment the spirit of God was like, you're coming home. And we did not know at that point what was next after Chicago. We knew it had to be something we weren't figuring out. And I just kind of held on to it. And it took a whole other year before it actually happened. And I remember then the first time I took my kids to Disneyland when we lived at home. And that just feels so silly in so many ways. And yet it's the moment where they're playing in a specific part of the park. And I can remember talking to some of my friends in faith while we sat in that place about the things we hoped God might be and do and the way we hoped our life would look. And we had followed God to Chicago because as best we thought that was where God asked us to be. And God had brought us home in a way that was really deeply meaningful for my heart. And I'm like crying in the wilderness explorer part of California adventure. And my kids are like, what are you? And I'm like, 
you guys, I, I literally prayed for this. I like mm. literally played for the chance to raise you here because I mm. love our community and our culture and I love this place. And I am just so grateful God let us come back home. And same thing where it is um, such an important piece of our story of saying, yeah. we really think God answers prayers and we really think God leads us places because we had to figure out where to go and God helped us in a real practical I way. I love it. That's so awesome. So, so awesome. Wow. Well, Meredith, if people want to learn more about you, obviously we're going to link to the book in the show notes of the podcast. Where's the best place for them to find you? The single best place is on Instagram. I write there regularly. It's my own name, Meredith Ann Miller. And I have a newsletter that comes out and I make a podcast for kids where we talk about Bible stories with my kids. And yes. those are a ton of fun as well. But Instagram's the main the main home. And uh, I enjoy being able to be there and the way it opens conversation with folks. It's been really lovely. And your Instagram is absolutely beautiful. I was like, oh, gosh, I wish my colors popped. And it's so pretty. So, <laughs> All right. Well, Meredith, we are going to start ending every episode and asking this really important question. So this is a relationship podcast. Obviously, we talk about marriage, relationships, parenting like we did today. Any relationship. If I had to ask you, what is the absolute best relationship tip you've ever received? What would you say? One that comes to mind is that when God has invited you into something and we think about what we know about God making covenants and the way God asks people to be in relationships that are covenants, if you have some sort of covenant relationship in your life, family or a spouse, and then you also think God is maybe asking you to do something in your life, one of the ways you will know and discern that is that God will not ask you to do something that is going to also then violate the covenant relationships God has asked you to honor. Mm. Ooh, and good. so we sometimes give ourselves away to the thing, the thing that we think God has led us into at the expense of the covenant relationships. But mm. our covenant making, covenant keeping God is not going Listen. to ask us to move into something that would then violate the relational covenants that we are also invited to honor. And that's, I think, a wildly helpful discernment thing for my own life along the way. That is so good. Listen, we're going to have to have you back to talk about that on the marriage side, because that is some good advice. That is amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. Well, Meredith, yeah. this has been such a joy. Thank you so much for being with us today. We have so appreciated this conversation. Thank you so much for the invitation. Well, friends, you've made it to the very end of this episode, and I want to thank you for listening all the way to the end. Don't you love what she just shared and her relationship tip? I told her, I said, we are going to have to bring her back in order for her to actually just really parse that out a little bit more because that is some good marriage advice right there. Well, I hope that you all who are parents have been encouraged by this conversation. Maybe you feel like you've done it wrong for so long and you don't know where to begin or re-begin, restart. I want to encourage you that you can always begin today. Just talk to your children in a normal way about your very normal faith. And I promise you, you are going to do so much good that you won't even recognize 
right now. Some of the things that we say to our kids are seeds that are being planted for later on. So I'm not going to preach. I'm just going to encourage you all to keep doing what you're doing. If you need to step it up in some areas, step it up. But Meredith, I want to again, thank you so much for being our guest today. You can find the link to Meredith's website as well as her podcast, which is called Ask Away Podcast for Kids and her beautiful Instagram. You can find all of that in the show notes of this podcast, which is realrelationshiptalk.com forward slash episode one. Thank you all so very much for being here for this very special edition of Faith Friday. I pray that you go into your weekend full of faith, inspired to know God loves you, he is for you, and he is with you. We will see you on the next episode. Take care. Wow, you stayed all the way to the end. You, my friend, are the real MVP. Thanks again for listening to Real Relationship Talk. The show notes can be found at realrelationshiptalk.com. Have you subscribed to the podcast yet? If not, be sure to do that now. And may your relationships be uncomplicated as you build deeper connections. I'll see you on the next episode. Take care.